Hello, friendos. Toast name is Chad Dukes. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. It's the Chad Dukes Radio Show. It's not Free FM. So give Chad a call. Here's the number. 385-645-5375. It's Miller time. What is that, Lil? Twelve hands in a row? Dukes, you son of a bitch. Nobody's that lucky. Now here's your host, the big silly. Chad Dukes. Charlie Hotel. Alpha Delta. Yeah, Dukes. Dig it. There but for the grace of God, go with me. Where a nickel size hell and a damage hand win. We roll over New York. Never let us back in We blew out the lights Kick the windows in And when the law showed up Said they're gonna have to take us in They're scared of my music Welcome back everybody To the Chad Duke Show Friday show I will be your captain today My name is Tor If you have been a listener previously Then you might understand how this episode and show will work on the Fridays. I will be taking you through a couple little topics at the top, and then I'm going to get you some of the best stuff that has happened throughout this past week on the Chad Duke Show. And it was a pretty fun week. I know a lot of people uh, were pretty receptive because it is the week before Christmas uh, leading up to it. It is Christmas Eve currently, and uh, we didn't take any shows off. And I, it's a not really patting ourselves on the back, but we have had a streak all year of not missing our minimum five show per week quota. Uh, that was even back in early February when uh, Dukes and I both had COVID, and then uh, now even the holiday season, whenever it was vacation, we were getting shows out. So it's something that we've always taken a little bit of pride in is getting you all the shows. And even if you're not a subscriber, you have gotten a show uh, on a Friday. I believe every single week of the year to date and what a Friday today is as is the last Friday before the nine month gauntlet of sadness. I know we're going to have NFL playoffs uh, coming up soon, but uh, what are we really looking forward to in the spring? And that stink. Uh, I'm not a huge hockey guy and uh, the Wizards are really, really uh, subpar. So really today... And then tomorrow are going to be like the last real days of happiness. And then there's going to be the New Year's Eve pressure for me to go out and find something to do to really have fun and kick off the New Year rights. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to drop $200 on a ticket uh, to go to a, a party. It might happen. It might not. But that's a weird thing uh, to have that pressure to kind of really capitalize on a night where everyone's going to be partying and everyone's going to be having a good time or they think they're going to be having a good time. Um, I don't know. I don't know really how I feel about that, because I do enjoy going out and being with uh, people that I enjoy going out with. And what when you tack on that weird extra pressure of, it's New Year's Eve, we have to go do this, we have to, I'm kind of, it, it does turn me off to the notion a little bit. Uh, but it should be, I guess, a kind of fun week, and then January is going to stink, and then February is going to stink, and then... March is maybe the worst month of the year. It really might be, um, but it's not worse than what I saw today when I woke up, uh, and that is just a continuation of a disease that I've been seeing in people 
as of late. And whatever this disease is, where a group of people for social media will do something that is seemingly wholesome or or supposed to be nice or fun or funny or kitschy, whatever you want to describe it as. But there's a video that I saw, and I'll play the audio on the show for everybody so you can kind of understand it a little bit better, of a seemingly, seems to be a family walking into an ice cream shop and they start singing their order in front of a 16-year-old cashier and it's filmed, obviously, and it takes up, I don't know, 30 seconds. And I'm just sitting here thinking, wow, there's something wrong with this. Now, it's not like they, ro- they didn't rob the store. Uh, they didn't destroy any property. They didn't really make a, a big scene. It wasn't a huge event uh, with-, with dancing and such. And it was, like- it was like six people. But they're standing in line, and they just start singing. And that is some form of disease, and it's masked by either spreading holiday cheer, it's masked by trying to uh, think that you're brightening somebody's day by singing at them or to them. I'll say this, well, here, I'll play the video and the audio for you now so you can understand what I'm talking about, and then we'll make our judgments afterwards. If I'm a retail worker and somebody comes in and they start singing, I might walk out. I really might because I don't understand what I'm supposed to do in the situation. I don't understand what the people expect me to do if they think I'm going to start crying on the scene because of how gorgeous their voices are. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. I'm working in an ice cream shop. I'm 17 years old. And it's before Christmas. It's probably my last shift. All I want to go home is is play video games and maybe hang out with my friends. And now I've got these people in my store singing and taking a video of me while I am just trying to do my job and make a little bit of money. That's a disease. Whatever that is, whatever that is where you feel like you need to go in and start singing to somebody or, or start performing in front of them, uh, it is incredibly odd to me it touches a weird spot for me where i get annoyed more by that than a lot of other stuff a lot that's more annoying to me than whatever the political discourse is on twitter between whatever side that's just people that doing something they they would believe in this is interrupting somebody's day involving them in your chicanery and nonsense and then thinking wow I really impacted that person's life today. You know who might enjoy that? Like a nursing home. People that, you know, they don't get to see see that or that nobody comes to visit them. There's people up and down the ice cream store all day. He's, he's tired of being on his feet. Stop going in there and making a performance. I cannot believe 
that I just saw that, and it's not the first style of that video. I know the listener base for this show understands that type of video, and I'm praying the listener base of this show is not people who enjoy seeing that or think that that is funny or fun or uh, would chuckle at that. It's, um, hold on, oh, sorry, just got a text from Monk wishing me a Merry Christmas. What a, what a nice guy, what a nice guy Monk is, and that gives me the opportunity to do what I should have done at the beginning of this show, which is explain that this episode of the Chad Duke Show, as are all episodes, presented by Monk's Barbecue in Percival, Virginia. I see that they're just wrapping up on their Christmas feasts that they've been doing. If you missed out on those, don't worry. They're open year-round, so if you want to go get some of the best brisket, if not the best brisket you've had in Northern Virginia or your life, uh, their burger specials are fantastic. They've got uh, any type of bourbon you could think of, great beers on tap, all of that. Head on out to Monk's Barbecue in Percival, Virginia, and you can follow them on social media at Monk's BBQ on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, Monk, for that nice text. I really do appreciate it. It's very kind. I think it's the first Merry Christmas. No, oh, no, I've gotten a couple other ones, but um, probably the no. That's a big. That's a big text to get. I'm happy to get that text out of, out of nowhere. But the thing is, don't support people who go into stores and start singing. I I think that's different than the holiday caroling. I I don't know why it is because holiday caroling is still more unsolicited singing. I don't know why singing and dancing has been so pervasive in our society. Over the last four years, it feels like everywhere that I look online, it's people singing and dancing. Luckily, I haven't seen it in my real life. I haven't I haven't had to approach a caroler. I haven't been in the mall or at my gym. Uh, maybe I just haven't been there enough to see people dancing and singing and, and filming things. I, but it is so frustrating. I don't know why that irritates me so much. I don't know if, if I'm the only one that it irritates. I think Dukes feels the same way as I do. But that family, maybe they're trying to make it. Maybe they're trying to be the, the, the what is it, Partridge family? Is that, I, yeah, good pull. Partridge family, they're trying to be the singing family. Okay. If that's how you're going to do it, that's how you're going to do it. I just can't stand watching it. I can't stand watching it. It is infuriating. You just take it up that kid's day, and you you think you did something special. And I know they can kind of sing, they can kind of sing, and I'm sure they would sound better in front of pro microphones. But they're going home today. They're going home, and they're sitting in their car thinking, "Oh man, we just changed that kid's life. That kid is uncomfortable, and I am uncomfortable watching the video again." They didn't do anything technically wrong, but the idea of walking into somebody who is working in retail at Christmas time and performing that act, singing about ice cream, is infuriating to me. I'll tell you what isn't infuriating to me. That's what we did on the show this past week. We had Eric Davis of Fandango on to talk about movies. You're going to hear some of that conversation. We also had uh, Damon Mar- Martin from uh, MMAfighting.com. He is a uh, expert in all things combat sports. And then we had a, a big weekend this past weekend with the Paul fight and the Woodley fight. So you're going to get uh, his thoughts on that and a little bit of Shude's thoughts on that. And then something that stuck with me a little bit from the show this past week. 
And that was a, uh, a conversation about improving society. And it's a theory that Dukes has had. Uh, it's the first time I've been, uh, I've heard about this theory. I'm still a little bit skeptical about it, uh, but um, I see the bones of it. I can see the bones, uh, no pun intended, of this theory and what it would do. Uh, but I have some logistical issues with said theory. Uh, Duke thinks it's a home run. I'm saying it, it could be a home run, but right now it's a it's about a double off the wall. So you're going to hear some of that, and then you'll be able to uh, make your own judgments from there. Uh, everybody, this is the Chad Duke Show Friday episode. And again, if you're hearing my voice on this show and you have been listening to this show all year, that means on Friday I like to tell you about our friends at Manscaped.com. Sponsors since, I think, last March or, or, or late February who have stuck on the show because of all of your guys' willingness to purchase and improve yourselves. How do you improve yourselves using Manscaped.com? You buy the Lawnmower 4.0 and you get a fantastic electric razor. How else do you improve yourself? You go and you buy some of their uh, scented collection, their uh, colognes, their lotions, their shampoos and conditioners, their ball deodorant, ball conditioner. Still using that to this day. If I got a date, which is rare, but when I do, I like to get in the shower, I trim myself up, I use the ball conditioner, and then I use the ball deodorant, which I just spray right on, spritz, spritz, and now I'm walking out of the door thinking, oh yeah, I'm not going to be smelling bad, this is not going to be offensive if something goes, you know, if it goes a little farther than what I had intended after dinner, so we're sitting here thinking, okay, I, it, we're, we're, we're rolling now, and I have been able to roll like this because of Manscaped, and you don't just have to go to their site and buy it straight up. You get a discount code, and that code is Dukes, D-U-K-E-S, for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the Dukes code. Your balls will thank you, and I will thank you because you all have supported them, and that is actually a sponsor that I brought to the show myself. So when you buy from Manscaped, you help me because then they like redoing, renewing the contract, and we've actually had them on so long that the initial um, employee uh, at Manscaped has since gotten uh, moved up in the ranks, and I have been assigned a new person to speak to. So you guys have been doing such a great, fantastic job with that, and I do have to thank you for that because it is the holiday season, and I'm trying to spread some merriment. Now, before we get to the rest of the show, I know you guys are itching to stop hearing me, uh, but because, you know, here comes Dukes and the Funny in about two minutes, but it wouldn't be right if I didn't give you a couple mortal locks for the weekend. A couple mortal locks this weekend, and that's with our friends at my bookie. Uh, and at my bookie, use the promo code Dukes D U K E S. Match your initial deposit, thousand up to a thousand dollars. So if you're thinking, oh, it's Christmas, or I just got my Christmas bonus, what am I gonna do? Stick it in a Roth IRA? Fuck that. No, no, no. Put a little bit into my bookie. They're going to match it. So you got double your initial amount that you think you're going to go in with. Then you're going to start making some bets. It's the holiday season. Oh, we got football on Christmas, baby. Oh, uh, day after Christmas, you're sitting there thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I still got family in town. I still got my, my mom-in-law sitting there and taking up the good chair. What are you going to do? Put on the game. Put a little action on the game at mybookie.ag. And you know what? Here's a couple things that are going to help you. If you went, if you got sunk this past Christmas season or holiday season, whatever you're celebrating, if you got sunk and you're thinking, oh God, 
It's getting a little thin for January. You know, rent's coming up. It's first about to be here. You're sitting there like that thinking what you're going to be doing? How about you make a little bit of money? Use your brain. You watch football. You listen to this show. You hear us talk about football. Use your brain a little bit. Make some money back. Or at least enjoy yourself and distract yourself from reality for three hours like I like to do. Everything else is going on. I don't want to hear about it. I'm going to watch the football. I'm going to have some action on it. And that's why this week, listen up. Here are my two locks. And I'm sure Dukes is going to have his two locks next week uh, because my bookie, another great sponsor that we have on this show. But uh, if you're thinking about putting some money down, here's what I would put my money down on this weekend. Uh, Detroit is playing Atlanta. Atlanta is favored by five and a half. If you know me, you know where I'm about to go. Detroit just beat Arizona. They just beat Arizona after being, I believe, 13 and a half point dogs. They are five and a half point dogs to Atlanta, who is six and eight. Don't let this happen. Don't let a don't look this gift horse in the mouth. Atlanta will lose. Atlanta will lose by, I'd say, even more than five and a half. So at that point, you can go Detroit plus five and a half. Or you could just go straight up Detroit Moneyline. Atlanta won't win this game. Atlanta's not going to blow the doors off. Atlanta won't be efficient in this game. They're going to think, oh, we finally got a a game against a a scale team. No, no, no. That team is playing with heart. That Detroit team is playing hard. Atlanta is not. So this is, again, Detroit plus five and a half. Take it. It's the smart option. It's the right thing to do. Do the right thing for once in your life. Detroit plus five and a half. Next lock. Rams versus Minnesota. And I know Minnesota has been crippling to this show when being bet against. Crippling. But Dalvin Cook is going to be out for the game, I believe. Uh, And the Rams have been toiling with being the best team in the NFC. They've been dancing around it. They're a good team. Minnesota is a Jekyll and Hyde team. You don't know who's going to show up. You don't know when Kirk Cousins is going to throw his back-breaking interceptions. And you also don't know, to their credit, if Kirk Cousins is going to just do a 320-yard game, two touchdowns, and no interceptions game. That's not going to happen versus L.A. The Rams are good. And the Rams are favored by only three and a half. Only three and a half versus the Dalvin Cookless Vikings. Versus the Stephon Diggless Vikings. Uh, versus a Vikings team that is not consistent enough to cover three and a half versus one of the top three teams in the NFL. That is a mortal lock. That is a tour lock. You get two for two locks this weekend. So basically what you should do, fade one of those picks, and then you'll make some money. That's that's what you should do in this upcoming week of football and betting during the holiday season. I am, again, the captain of this show. My name is Gigantor, and now I will take you through some of the Best segments of the past week of the Chad Duke Show. Friendos, if you're in the area, make sure you visit Commonwealth Dry Goods in scenic Old Town Fairfax. They have the very best in local candles, peanuts, gifts, chocolates, olive oil, hot sauce, along with ice-cold cheer wine, and both types of music on vinyl. You can check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Commonwealth Dry Goods or order online today at CommonwealthDryGoods.com. It is the Chad Duke Show. Happy holidays to everybody. That's right. We're working the week of Christmas. That's what we do around here. You know who else is as well? 
my guy Eric Davis. He's the managing editor of Fandango. He's one of those guys that have offices and stuff, so you don't have to do nothing he doesn't want to. We appreciate that he is here. Of course, follow him on Twitter, at Eric Davis, for all timely news. And I don't know how you're uh, starting a vacation, Eric. I just saw over on your Twitter that you put out a bunch of uh, Doctor Strange stuff, including the teaser and some images and all of that breaking news left and right as always oh yeah yeah no i what is a vacation really though like for me i mean i'm i'm you know people got to remember that yeah my job is to cover movies but part the reason why it's my job is because i'm obsessed with movies so even if i'm on vacation i'm still going to be obsessed with the the next you know doctor strange teaser dropping and stuff like that so um so it's been exciting you know if you're a superhero fan if you're a marvel fan uh, the last couple of weeks, at least, have been really exciting. Um, before we get to all of that, I would love to know, because uh, we here on the show, we're very excited by the trailer. We were extraordinarily disturbed by uh, The Lighthouse. Um, I know you're a big fan of The Witch. Uh, the Northman trailer dropped. Everybody seemed to have very positive reactions to it. It looks like it is going to be a brutal Viking revenge movie by robert eggers who we know can really uh make his audiences uncomfortable if he wants to what did you think of that first taste of that movie it looked awesome it does. you know uh I, I it looked really awesome it looked like you know i think robert eggers has really sort of proven himself uh with the witch with uh the lighthouse and now you know he's attracting bigger budgets he's attracting bigger casts and you know i think that Everything we've seen from him so far is sort of culminating now in this movie that just feels bigger than anything he's done. The scope of it feels gigantic. The cast is pretty awesome. Um, you know, Skarsgård, Kidman, uh, he's got a whole bunch of people. Anya Taylor-Joy comes back. He basically discovered her uh, in The Witch. Uh, that was really her first role, and so she's there. And it just looks completely unlike anything that we're getting these days and i think that that's what is exciting to audiences is that it looks brutal it looks wild it looks like such a crazy story it looks scary and it's original and it's different from what we've what we're seeing and so i think you know now more and more than ever now especially as these superhero movies sort of dominate yeah. the conversation and dominate the box office films like the Northmen are really going to stand out more uh, as being something different for audiences to devour. And I think that's cool. I think the word refreshing uh, applied. I completely agree with you. We, I do a movie show every week and, you know, we look for headlines and it's, it, you know, we, we want to talk about movies. I mean, there's definitely a place for superhero movies, but man, if you log on to a blog, it's, it is nothing but superhero movies, and it's difficult to kind of have a well-rounded conversation. And watching this movie, I say this also to Eric, a lot of the best musicians are ones who are like, I don't know what he does. Like, there's some R&B in there, and there's a little country, and there's a little rock and roll, maybe a little hip-hop. And I think a genreless uh, musician is oftentimes one of the best, most well-rounded. And I don't know, this doesn't look like this is just going to be a horrific, horrifying. It looks like it's something else that maybe you can't just you know put into a genre subtitle that you would find at a video rental place i think that's refreshing as well yeah exactly you know i mean it's like it's like viking horror psychological thriller like whatever i don't even know what <laughs> genre that is but yeah it's exactly and it's 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 wild uh and it's crazy but it doesn't look 
too different visually from sort of what he's established in the lighthouse and what he established in the witch. And so, you know, I think that those two films specifically uh, aren't necessarily as widely accessible. I think they're still a bit niche in terms of the audience that it attracts. This one, however, feels at least on paper on this first trailer, like it may be his most accessible, even as wild and crazy and inventive as it looks. It, it feels like it may be his most sort of accessible film that he's had yet. Um, and so I'm curious to see sort of, you know, where this kind of puts him as a filmmaker uh, after this lands. Uh, it's at a good it's it's at a good time. It's in April, um, which tells you that it's probably not a big awards movie, uh, but it looks like something that uh, is a nice palate cleanser, so to speak, before the uh, summer blockbuster season begins. Well, speaking of blockbusters, uh, you, you know what I'm going to ask you about. Uh, Spider-Man, I, I saw this actually on, on your Twitter. Uh, they adjusted the numbers and it became not the third best opening of all time, but the second best. Somehow this movie with a pandemic going on beat out Avengers Infinity War, which for my money is, is the best of these movies. Um you just can't say enough about how impressive that is, especially, Eric. I've had John a couple of times, you know, talked about there's been a couple of disappointing as a relative term when it comes to Disney and Marvel. But you look at some of the numbers for the streaming shows like, oh, that's trending down. Oh, this movie we thought would do a little better. Well, there's COVID going on. We had all these conversations. None of that applies to Spider-Man. And no matter what you feel about the movie, when you're sitting there, it puts you right back into, oh, my God, this is a monster Marvel movie that's about more than what's just going on the screen right now um kind of put into context if you can you've been talking about movies a long time but the numbers this thing is doing with the world the way it is currently yeah it's wild you know and it goes to show you that uh people still are hungry for that crazy memorable sort of pop culture defining experience at the movies you know and i think uh, a lot of people felt it with black panther when that came out because it was such a a giant movie and it sort of brought all different kinds of people together uh people we felt it with infinity war we felt it with endgame you know and i think that there's a certain high that you get from experiences like that you know especially those opening weekend crowds and people cheering and it's just different it's not like you're not going to get that sitting on your couch at home you know you may be able to pause and go to the bathroom but you're not going to get sort of that thrilling kind of communal like we're all in this together experiencing this together um you know you know for the first time and so i think that that's that's a special feeling that people are sort of chasing and then you know you take this film you take uh you know months and months of rumors of special surprises you take the fact that marvel has been planting these multiverse seeds in loki uh they planted it a little bit in wandavision they planted a little bit in the what if uh animated series and so this was really our first grand taste of what the multiverse can do and how much fun they could have with it uh you know you tack on sort of the fact that it's kind of a culmination of 20 years of spider-man movies and yeah i mean it it has end game level anticipation you know this film going into it uh it's funny people internally at fandango a while back were like eric we're looking for comps 
for this movie you know what what would be a good cop we, we can't figure it out is it uh far from home is that a good cop or would avengers endgame be a good cop like where is this film and now we see what the good cop would be it would be avengers endgame and you know people were calling it spider-man endgame um and it very much felt like that and so uh and the fact that the film is good the writing is good the storytelling is good um i think all of that culminates in just this ride of anticipation you know and i think leading up to it being released you see these rotten tomato score it's got the highest audience score of really any mcu movie at like 99 percent. we rarely ever see that uh and so that's also telling the audience like look you got to go see it and i think that when word of mouth bumps up against box office bumps up against sort of this build of the multiverse i think all of that just comes together to produce what we saw this weekend um and I, I, you know, I, I agree. During a pandemic, is pretty pretty nuts that this that this happened. Uh, but it goes to show you that people are hungry to get back and have a memorable experience like that. It's it's also say what there. I had some problems with the movie. I, I thought the first forty five minutes I thought was slow. There were some script issues. Alfred Molina. There's some times where I was like, wow, I can't believe they're having him say this. But for the most part, incredibly entertaining. And if you're going for a Spider-Man movie, I, I don't know how you can have any foibles. What the, the the fact they kept everything a secret for the most part. I mean, there's only so much you can do, but to have all of those villains from all those different properties, these are all A-list actors. And then to have, you know, the Spider-Men show up the way they did, it was such a I hate throwing around the term heartwarming, Eric, but seeing those three different, you know, kind of generations, those guys interacting with each other was it was just amazing, especially I've read comics my whole life and, and to see those, you know, come to life. And now they're coming to life again in that they just did like there's so much they had to do. They had to pay homage to those previous movies. They had to make them credible. They had to continue on this massive storyline. They're involving. They also had to tease the Doctor Strange movie. They, you know, made nods to the television entities. Like, I can't imagine what it looked like to storyboard that thing. I, I mean, it's just, it's a fantastic achievement in the ability to tie things together. And oh, and by the way, you have this enormous burden of expectation from these fans that, you know, they, they expect gems every time they see these characters on the screen. Yeah, it, it, it had a lot, it had a lot of heavy lifting to do, you know, because it did have to sort of bring back these characters, give them new storylines, uh, maybe kind of right some wrongs that happened in their previous franchises while you're also sort of continuing this trilogy and, and kind of, you know, ending the Tom Holland home trilogy uh, and this other story that we've been invested in while also kind of teasing these other things. And yeah, you know, I mean, fan fans were, were anticipating this one like no other, you know, and you, you also got to remember that Into the Spider-Verse movie that came out that kind of teased the fact that this could all happen, um, you know, and now that we're seeing it in live action, uh, I think people are just freaking out. And I also think that the success of this gives Sony, who own the film rights to Spider-Man, this now gives them a lot of options. You know, if, if Andrew Garfield is down to do another Spider-Man movie, you can bring him back. You could put him with Tom Hardy's Venom. You know, now you can really play um, with this Spider-Man universe uh, in all kinds of fun ways. You know, um, I, I I was the one who broke the story uh, when tickets went on sale that, uh, you know, they are going to continue making movies with Marvel. Sony and Marvel are not going to stop making Spider-Man movies. They're going to continue to do that. Tom Holland is going to continue to be involved. 
Um, and they're also going to use him. Marvel Studios is going to get to use uh, Spider-Man in, in in their movies, too, as part of that deal. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a powerful uh, it's, it's good writing. And it reminds me of when uh, Marcus and McFeely were the writers of Infinity War and Endgame, uh, which also was a monumental task to write. Um, but the writing was really solid. And I think that uh, the duo, the guys that wrote this one as well, I think did a really good job of keeping it all together and giving you the moments that you want to see and making it feel at the end of the day like a Spider-Man story, like a Peter Parker story. You know, they all felt like this is totally something Peter Parker would say to another Peter Parker. Um, you know, making it feel like a Spider-Man comic, I think, is is what's the most successful thing about it. It was wild, man. Um and also, like, now I'm more interested in th that I'd almost just cast off that Morbius movie. And now it's like you look at some of the things going on. It's like, well, the Vulture's in it. And he was in Homecoming. And Venom is in the same universe. And there's, like, you know, there's the, the Tobey Maguire picture we saw in the poster. It's like, well, what the hell is going on? So, you know, that intrigue and those Easter eggs and all that stuff that Marvel fans just go absolutely crazy for. I mean, there seems to be a lot of that already in what I, a movie that I didn't have a lot of expectations for. So the success of this thing is definitely going to help movies like that in the future. Yeah, I mean, imagine getting to, like, you know, the next Venom movie, and all of a sudden you realize, holy crap, Venom is about to fight Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Like, that's the universe that he's in. You know, you, you make a good point is that we have really, you know, we know that Tom Holland is part of the MCU universe and that we know Tom Hardy, Jared Leto's character, Morbius, I imagine this Craven the Hunter too, are all part of another universe. But are they part of another universe where, you know, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man's doing stuff or Toby's Spider-Man's doing stuff? And so they could really play here depending on whether or not, like I look at Tobey Maguire and I say, I don't think this guy's coming back for more Spider-Man. But you never know, you know, uh, they were both so good in this one, especially Garfield. You know, it's it's no wonder that Amazing Spider-Man 3 is trending uh, after seeing Garfield in that movie, because I think you really it really reminded you of how great of a Peter Parker he was um, and that there's a lot more that you can do there. And so, you know, I, I'm curious to see Tom Holland, Spider-Man, where they leave him in this movie feels like, you know, that's where kind of Spider-Man's story really starts. Um, and so how can they differentiate it from Garfield if they brought him back, if they brought Toby back? So I think they have some work cut out for them, but it's exciting if you're a Spider-Man fan that there are so many different routes that they can go down. And, and I'm, I've he I'm hearing good things about that Morbius movie, so um, – I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm curious to see how it opens it up a little bit more. I wish there was a way, and I know there isn't, but I, I would love to see all three of those guys like just a movie about the three of them doing something. You know, some sort of <laughs> some sort of mission. I'm with you with Garfield though. I actually liked him better in this movie. I think maybe it's because he's aged a little bit too. But I I f I found him to be the biggest surprise out. Of, I mean, all these actors look Willem Dafoe cackling and flying around and just with his you know that mug of his I'm never not going to be entertained by that but Andrew Garfield is my, my MVP of that movie of which there's a lot of really strong characters and, and fun performances and I think that's why people are so fired up about him doing some more stuff I agree you know and I, I don't think Sony knew what they had here and you know this is the biggest opening that the studio has ever had in the history of the studio and so if they're looking at it and saying hey the ingredients is let's 
bring these three guys back together into something in you know a couple of years from now, uh, they know that just doing that is going to get them gigantic numbers. And so you have to think that people are looking at Toby and Andrew and saying, hey, you know, you guys down to, you know, do a little bit here or a little bit there because they know that that's box office gold. And uh, it would not surprise me if they figured out a way to bring the three of them back together again in another story um, down the line. Have you seen The Matrix? I have seen The Matrix, what, yes. I know you can't, you know, give all the details, but w- what is so polarizing about this movie already? That That's all I'm <laughs> seeing now is people are, you know, we live in a world of extremes. and like, The Sith would love where we live right now, Eric, because everyone deals in absolutes. But I got to say, when they released that last trailer where it's like, oh, well, there's Hugo Weaving. Well, there's Lawrence Fishburne. Are, are these the same is this a different dimension like there was some larger questions than just hey we're all plugged into a computer simulation i think people really have strong feelings about how much they love the matrix so if you're messing with that i could see people having a reaction but man they're they're already the, the thing's not even out yet and people already seem to be lining up against each other yeah i think you know i think people it's it's matrix has always been a bit divisive once you got past that first movie you know everybody kind of loves that first movie uh, the second two movies, you got people that love them, you got people that hate them, and I think that's kind of what you're going to get with this film. You know, I, I think it does some really interesting things with its story, uh, especially in the first act. It's very self-referential. Warner Brothers is mentioned, The Matrix is mentioned, uh, sequel trilogy is mentioned. You know, and so they kind of poke fun at at themselves and at blockbuster movie making. Um, so I kind of there's this underlying thing there that's happening. Um, But, you know, the story is a lot. There's a lot of story. There's a lot of exposition. There's a lot of flashing back to other characters and other moments in the franchise. And so if you're somebody that's coming in and you didn't just watch the the previous three Matrix movies and it's been over a decade since you've seen The Matrix, you may watch this movie and it may feel like a bit of an assault on your brain, on your senses, and, and it may feel like a lot. And so I think some people are walking out of it you know, the story is a bit complicated and confusing and they're not necessarily sure how everything connects to everything because it's been a while since they've watched the other ones. And so I've been telling people, you know, if you want to do a rewatch, at least rewatch that first film so it's clear in your head. Uh, so the story makes a little bit more sense. But it's going to be the kind of film that you're going to have to just watch a couple of times. Um, I think it's going to be the kind of film that after you know a second or a third watch, I'm going to really appreciate it a bit more, um, which I'm I'm down for. I'm down for those kinds of films that don't deliver you the happy meal in one sitting. Right. That you watch it and it's intriguing enough to say, you know what? Let me give this another another shot now that I kind of know how how everything comes together. Um, so I think it's interesting. I think they make some good story choices. I did an interview with the producer of The Matrix Resurrections where I kind of went through beat by beat the story and we kind of talked spoilers and everything and i'm going to run that on sunday so if you watch the matrix and you got some questions you know definitely look for me on twitter i'm going to be posting that interview because we kind of go through the story and he explains a lot of some of the big moments in the film and some of the big story decisions that they made it is that eric davis you can find it there and of course uh, all kinds of movie content fandango.com let me ask you this eric one last one about it uh, is it the the halloween bit or the, the terminator dark fate bit where they just pretend like the the other two re- uh, reloaded and revolutions don't happen and it's just a sequel to the matrix is that what we're dealing with here 
No, no, that's definitely not what's happening here. The, okay, good. the, the second, the, the entire trilogy is acknowledged and, and sort of, you know, it's, it kind of picks up like, uh, uh, you know, years later, you know, and what happened after Neo and Trinity, you know, they, they, they put them back into the matrix and they're kind of living these regular lives in the matrix. And there is a small faction that is still outside the matrix where 60 years has now passed and they feel like Neo is still in there and they need to go get him out and extract him and convince him to come with them. So that's kind of like the setup for the story. It's sort of like a heist movie. You know, can we get in there and, and, and get Dio and Trinity out? Um, and so uh, that's what I like about it. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. But, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. And I think that Warner Brothers, if they play their cards right, you know, they could do some fun stuff here. They can create spinoff series. They can create more movies. It, you know, The Matrix is a fun world to play in. Uh, and I think they had that idea back when, when they had the Animatrix uh, if you remember those animated films that they yeah. did between between the two sequels, uh, that was a really cool idea. It was way ahead of its time. Uh, there were no streaming services back then, so they actually had to put it in theaters. Uh, but I think that nowadays you can really play around with this world in, in ways that you couldn't back then. And so I hope that they they do that at least. Good. I'm um, looking forward to checking that out. At Eric Davis on Twitter, and this is Eric Davis on Instagram, and of course, managing editor, Fandango.com. But a tremendous year, Eric. If I don't talk to you before, have a wonderful Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. It is always a thrill to talk movies with you. Without a doubt, Dukes, have a happy holiday and a happy new year, and we'll talk on the other side of the year. Thank you, my brother. The great Eric Davis, everybody, on the Chad Duke Show. Everybody, the Chad Duke Show Christmas playlist is live and active on Spotify. Go to the Chad Duke Show Spotify page or just type in Chad Duke Show Christmas playlist and you will have the best playlist for all of your holiday parties and festivities. Friendos, it's shooed for M.W. Burke Incorporated. You know Matt and Lisa. You've probably seen them out at all the live shows. Incredibly supportive of not only the Chad Duke Show, but Commonwealth Dry Goods. Uh, and they're just fabulous at what they do. You need a kitchen. You need a bathroom. You got a larger project. Whatever you got, they can handle it. I had my kitchen completely remodeled by them. I had a urinal put into my basement by them. My brother had a wet bar put in at his house. Fairfax County, Loudoun County. They're licensed. They're ready to go. They can do a Zoom conference with you right now, mwburk.com. Even if you're not sure, see, I got to get, see what the budgetary constraints are, see what the timetables are. You got a project you want done in the spring, get it on the books now. Can't recommend mwburk.com anymore. There's a little tab when you reach out to them on the website that says, how did you hear about us? And one of them says the Chad Duke Show. Make sure you check that box because, well, it's just what happened. Fabulous work, really good people. Uh, they're a married couple that started their own small business, and now uh, they're doing huge things, and I, I have a lot of respect for that. I like them both very much, and they do fabulous work. We're going to be doing the bathroom upstairs in my house, and we're going to hire M.W. Burke to get that done, as you should for all of your home improvement projects. MWBurke.com. Schedule a Zoom conference today, and make sure you tell them that Shude sent you. I'd like to wish you a big thank you to everyone who has already sent in videos from our live events this year. It's much appreciated, but if you haven't done so yet, send whatever clips you have to mailbag at chaddukeshow.com or message them to chaddukeshow on Instagram. 
It is the Chad Duke Show, broadcasting live from the Fortune of Solid Dudes, presented by Money Monks Barbecue in Percival. Very excited to be here Christmas week. No days off for us, and no days off for the great Damon Martin, longtime friend of the show. Of course, news editor MMAFighting.com. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram, at Damon Martin. And a plethora of piñatas to discuss in the world of beating each other up. Damon, how are you, my friend? I am good. Thanks for having me as all right, you're breaking up a little bit. Is everything all right with the cell? Uh, let's see. Can you hear me better now? Ah, that's way better. Excellent. Right. Well, first and foremost, I know you run a uh, a blog that covers all things nerddom, as I'm a fan of. What did you think of the new Spider-Man movie? I loved it. It was uh, everything I could have hoped for for a Spider-Man movie, especially uh, you know a lot of fan service, but the, the best kind of fan service. So I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm going to go see it again. That's usually the testament of a good movie if you want to see it twice in the theater yeah i thought it was the best of those three movies most assuredly and i no disrespect to black widow or shang chi any of the other movies that came before but for me it was the first one that kind of brought back the i don't know the nostalgia of the first wave of marvel movies where you know you had these over-the-top characters you're not introducing them to an audience and i thought they did a great job of juggling you know just all those different storylines all those different multiverses or whatever that probably was a very difficult task yeah, and I agree. I think it, it was kind of the first you know, big Marvel movie since you know Avengers Endgame that made me feel like I was right back in the thick of the Marvel Universe. I've liked a lot of the other movies that have come out, but uh, yeah, as you said, a lot of them were kind of introductory movies. Uh, this wasn't just, you know, this this was this was that, that warm cup of cocoa you've been waiting for since Avengers Endgame uh, came out a couple years ago. I have so much to discuss with you. Um, well, I guess I'll start with... You know, Jake Paul fights Tyron Woodley for the second time. Uh, It is a vicious knockout. Immediately there are allegations that the fight is thrown. I I watched the video. It was hardly definitive. I I just think, you know, Jake Paul, he draws these reactions out of people. Masvidal's there. He gets into some sort of uh, fracas, and yet uh, one of the Diaz brothers is there. He's... the, they, I don't know. Is this all? Is it possible this is all a work? Is it possible that everybody's in on this together? It just seems to me that th- there's an enormous amount of attention being paid to him by guys that really don't need to pay him attention, i.e., Jorge Masvidal or Nick or Nate Diaz. Um, it, it's always kind of a fight culture, goddamn, uh, I would say, dumpster fire <laughs> every time he goes out there and fights again. What was your reaction to that whole series of events? I mean, I don't think that I, there's nothing staged about it. I'll tell you that ahead of time. There's definitely nothing staged about it. I think what, what the reaction is, and the reason why so many people are having a hard time believing it is because Jake Paul is ultimately a YouTube social influencer. You know, no one wants to believe that this guy could actually learn how to box and, and you know, knocking out legitimate fighters. I mean, Tyron Woodley's a you know, five-time defending UFC champion. And he blasted him with that right hand and face planted him in the canvas in the sixth round. No one wants to believe that could actually happen, but it did. Um, as far as you know, the attention he's getting, I mean, listen, you know, it's it's all about striking while the iron's hot, striking at the right time. I mean, you think about a guy like let's say Conor McGregor, you know, coming in, you know, a lot of people had buzzed about him overseas. You know, he had just become a two division champion over in Cage Warriors and. You know, right timing. He comes over and immediately people start, you know, paying attention to what he's doing. People are interested in what he's saying. He's kind of outspoken and he wins a couple of fights in, you know, pretty impressive fashion. And, and immediately he's a superstar. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And Jake Paul has done all the right things. And as far as the people that were there in the attendance, um, I will say 
you know, Nate Diaz was there because his buddy, his boy, Chris Avila, was fighting on the undercard against Anthony Taylor. So that's why he was there. That's also why he left early, because his guy fought on the undercard. And if you know anything about Team Diaz, they definitely 100% roll very deep when they go to a fight card. When one of them's there, all of them are there. Uh, so that's why he was there. For Mazadal, it's in Florida. You know, he's in Miami. Tampa's you know, not far away. I'm sure it was a situation where they, you know, tried to give him tickets, tried to get him there. And I'm sure that's part of it because, of course, you know, Jake has called out Masvidal. Having him in the crowd just kind of raises the uh, the stakes for a fight like that. Uh, and also, his manager, uh, Malky Kawa, uh, first-round management, they also represent Frank Gore, who was, in the co- who was in another feature battle on the card. So that also kind of ties in to why those guys were there. I got you, uh, and it was more. Look, I got no problem with it all. It's fun. It's uh, it's entertaining. So I, I'm not casting any aspersions. It's just you know the circus comes to town when the the guy fights, just because of everything that happens around him when he does. Um, as as far as Mazadal goes, though, it is interesting to hear. Look, I'm under contract. He gets out there and kind of addresses it head on. Like he casts some allegations saying you're not paying guys as much as you say you are. You're giving away tickets and, you know, come to the UFC. I will agree to only punch you in the face. Like none of that stuff is happening, right? Like we, we don't see that taking place. That's all just fun back and forth. Internet, um, you know, smack talk, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, listen, Jake's saying, you know, get out of your contract to come fight me. We know that's not going to happen. We also know Dana White's not going to sign Jake Paul for a one-fight contract to come in and fight Jorge Mazadal in a, in a stand-up-only MMA fight. So that's not going to happen either. Uh, it's a lot of talking. Listen, it's fun. I get it. And, 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 you know, is there a possibility when Mazadal, maybe he becomes a free agent, could it ever happen? Sure. Just like what happened with Ben Askren. Uh, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. You know, uh, a more likely case would be Nate Diaz because Nate Diaz legitimately has one fight left on his UFC deal. And it's been made pretty clear that he's not looking to re-sign another contract with the UFC unless something dramatic changes. He's going to be a free agent eventually. Uh, so that could actually happen. I, I don't know. How, I, I assume there would be interest in that. Uh, but the Masvidal thing, this is just a lot of talk, and I get it. You're, you're doing it to stir up interest, and it's working. I mean, Jake's not – I think this is what people need to appreciate about Jake Paul. He's not a dumb guy. He knows what he's doing. When he calls out Masvidal, when he calls out, you know, Kamar Usman and UFC fighters, he's getting everyone to give him free press for fights that he knows he's not going to get. And I, I, it's not to say I don't think he'd fight those people. I'm sure he would in a boxing ring because, again, it's boxing, not MMA, but – He's not. He's not an idiot. He knows. You know. Right now, there's. You know. That's why he says Canelo's name. That's not. That fight's never going to happen. It's not. Come on. That's never going to happen. But Canelo is the biggest name in boxing, and one of the biggest problems boxing has had over the years is they don't build their stars. I mean, I, I made this reference. You know, months ago that uh, you're right around the same time. That, you know, Jake Paul is fighting. You know, in his in his fights, you know, a guy like Vasil Lomachenko, one of the best pound for pound guys in the world, is fighting, and he's fighting at like eleven o'clock on ESPN, and then you got like Jake Paul selling pay per views. So <laughs> boxing boxing has done a bad job of building their stars. So Jake Paul is a star. Do you agree? I, I saw Elwani go on the what was it? Uh, the, the, the the who's the guy in Miami? I always forget his name. Uh, Dan Levitard. He went on Levitard show and said, "Hey, you're not what nobody's really concerned about the culture of boxing, and Jake Paul is out there creating spots for other guys. Is is that something you would agree with? 
I would. And, and listen, you know, a perfect example is, you know, the co-main event on this last weekend's card, as well as the one back in September that I attended in Cleveland, is Amanda Serrano. Amanda Serrano is yeah. a legitimately fun fighter to watch, a legitimate pound-for-pound fighter. No one knows her. No one really knows much about her. And now suddenly she's making bigger paydays. She's co-main eventing pay-per-views. Uh, these are opportunities that a lot of women's boxers have complained about, you know, talk to Clarissa Shields. I've had many conversations with her about this. You know, she's talked about the issues of women in boxing and, and almost the sexist nature of promoters not wanting to put you know, women's boxers in high-profile situations. Jake Paul has kind of single-handedly made Amanda Serrano a big name in two fights. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, just like when, when Tommy Fury fell off the card, I mean, how many boxing events do you hear about where one fighter gets injured or something happens and the whole card doesn't just get scrapped? Yeah. That's just what happens in boxing. The fact that he did take on Tyron Woodley and, and accept a short notice fight with him to make sure not only that he got paid, but also the undercard fighters continue to get paid. I mean, I know like people like to hate on Jake Paul, but I think he does do some good things. Uh, talk to me about somebody that everybody loves, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. He goes in there to the Apex, and he breaks the record. He one-ups Vitor Belfort and Matt Brown. He now holds the most knockouts in UFC history, which is unbelievable. The ups and the downs that that guy has had. Um, you know, I feel like they've been trying to relegate him to, to gatekeeper status, and then he wins, and then he gets a title shot or gets close to one. And, you know, it's it must be difficult to know what to do with him because everyone likes him. He's always going to put on entertaining fights except for his fight with Francis and Ghana, the first one. Um, and then you, you look at that, you know, he comes out and he actually seems rather modest about breaking the account. I was reading it on your site, you know, how he was kind of downplaying holding that record. What what do you do with him? Because I don't think, you know, if it's Stipe, if it's Nganu, if it's Gong, I, I think you're looking at a situation like, well, he's probably a step back from those guys, but he can knock anybody out in the heavyweight class. What What is it going to be like booking that guy moving forward? Yeah, it's not easy because I think the problem that that Kurt, that uh, that Derek has run into is that you know he'll beat everybody you know but the champion. It seems like he's kind of fallen short in those fights, and maybe it's a pressure thing. I mean, I you know listen, we talk about it all the time. There's a lot of pressure in those big, high-profile situations. You could be in a million main events on fight nights. You could be in a million pay-per-view cards, but being in the main event for the heavyweight title of the world. It's a different level of pressure, a different kind of spotlight. And, you know, two times against Daniel Cormier and then an interim title fight against Cyril Gunn, he just kind of failed to show up. And, 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 again, there's something to be said about the level of talent. Daniel Cormier is a legit Hall of Famer. Cyril Gunn looks like he's going to be a you know, legit challenger to Francis Ngannou come, uh, you know, come January. But I think that's the problem with Derek is I think he's just not been able to get over that hump to actually become champion so it, it is. It is a difficult situation. I think what what Francis, or excuse me, what what Derek is going to deal with right now is he's going to deal with a couple opportunities at heavyweight, like maybe a Stephen Miocic fight. Maybe they book him against the John Jones of the world or make a big fight in that way. Uh, and he's got to hope that you know Francis Ngannou wins and and you know finally comes to terms with the UFC because Francis kind of remains at odds with the UFC. But assuming Francis sticks around. You know, there is still a little bit of a rivalry there, considering how that first fight went. It was a terrible fight, but Derek won. Uh, so he could still hope for that. But I just think he's a guy who, who just can't quite get over that hump. You know, he's, he's going to be the number two, number three heavyweight in the world. He's never probably never going to be champion, but he's a fun guy to watch. Uh, and listen, heavyweight's a division where there's always going to be new people coming up. You got 
you know, guys like Chris Dacus was coming up. A guy like Tom Aspinall out of England is coming up. You know, that's a guy you could potentially put in there against Derek Willis. You're going to find out, is he a contender or is he a pretender? Derek will expose that one way or the other. Talk a little bit. You mentioned Nganu. I was reading some of Dana's comments. Uh, didn't sound over effusive in his belief that he's going to be able to, Francis Nganu is going to stick around. If he beats Cyril Gan and if he loses to him, how does that change what you think ultimately unfolds? We know he wants to box, but hell, everybody wants to box. That's in mixed martial arts right now. Looking at those paydays, I saw Junior Dos Santos is going to box. Of course, he's not under contract with the UFC. Um, what do you think the chances are in Ganu sticks around if he wins and if he loses? Like, take me down both those paths. Well, if he wins, you know, one thing that Dana doesn't mention in the UFC contract, the standard UFC contract, is there's a champion's clause, meaning basically if you win as a champion, I, I, I don't know the exact language, but it's almost like another fight gets added to your contract because uh, you can't leave as champion basically in the UFC. And I'm sure there's some legal you know uh terminology to how they do that but essentially a champion's clause prevents you from just winning and leaving as champion i don't know how the ins and outs of that work in terms of the timing but uh even if he wins francis is not legally probably going to be able to go anywhere uh because he is the heavyweight champion i guess if he relinquished the title uh you know gave up the belt things like that i guess that would get into a stickier situation with his contract but if he wins, he, he's got a. It's almost a bigger headache for him because then at that point he's kind of locked into a contract for that. If he loses, you know, from my understanding, this is the last fight on his deal. You know, there will be a you know an exclusive negotiating period where the UFC still retains his rights. But if he loses at that point, he will become a free agent and he can sign pretty much anywhere. And I, I think this whole ordeal with Francis is kind of ridiculous. I mean, uh, not on his part, on the UFC's part. I mean, how do you botch? You know, being able to promote one of the most promotable guys in the history of the sport, a guy with a story that is, you know, worthy of a Hollywood movie, the biggest power puncher we've ever seen in, in, in mixed martial arts. And somehow you let that guy get to the end of his contract and you're blaming his representation and all these different things out there. The reality is Francis knows his worth. His management team knows his worth. They know heavyweight has always been. You know, the one division that everyone will tune in to watch, even if the guy is not a Conor McGregor-level superstar, they know what they have in Francis Ngannou. And so to let it get to this point and Dana's saying things like, well, if he doesn't want to be here with us, it's it's ludicrous to me considering the amount of promotability you have with a guy like Francis Ngannou. I don't know. Maybe he is asking for ridiculous amounts of money, like $30 million. I don't think he is. But maybe that's the case, but I highly doubt it. And, and it just seems like this comes down to Francis wants more than the UFC is willing to pay him. Okay. We'll have to see if more details present themselves. Um, the stuff with Chael and the assault allegations, it's, I think it's five different cases, but um, he wasn't arrested. You have John Jones then piping up and saying, he it was assault against a woman from from what i read it was not uh then you have brandon schaub come out and he had this kind of i don't know it, it's it almost seemed like a press release where somebody was making fun of chael's wife and he decided to put the dude in his place I, i'm sure there's some truth there but i'm sure it's also polished up a bit do we have concrete details on that and i i don't know I, bones just continues to make terrible 
decisions in any way that he comes across on social media. It just doesn't seem to do him any favors, but it also it hasn't hurt him up until this point. I, I'd love your thumbnail of what it seems to be a very sticky wicket right now. Yeah, so no one knows the full details. Let's get that out of the way right now. You know, we've talked to the police. We've, you know, a request to police reports, things like that. But no, no charges have been filed. There's no real true details about what happened. What we do know is that he was cited, you know, five times for battery because he was apparently taking on five different guys and, and winning because, you know, Chel Sonnen is Chel Sonnen. Uh, but not to make light of the situation, but. Yeah, I've heard, we've all heard the same rumors. It had something to do with his wife, defending his wife's honor. I've also heard rumors that he was, you know, he witnessed some altercation between a man and a woman and they separated. And that's what, you know, that's what led to it. I've heard a couple different stories about this. Uh, we just don't know the reality. And, you know, I've known Chell for a lot of years. I wouldn't go as far as to say, you know, I know Chell Sonnen better than anybody. But Chell Sonnen is not the kind of guy, from my experience with him, to put himself in a situation where he would get into. Uh, a, a fight with five people for no reason. Now, I'm not saying that justifies his actions. I'm just saying that there's got to be something going on here to get him involved because Chael is just not that guy. I mean, he's 44 years old, been retired for a couple of years. Uh, if he was going to get into trouble when he was all, you know, uh, you know, jacked up in the middle of his career and, you know, you know, kind of you know, full of, of himself as one of the best guys in the world, you think that would be when he would get into trouble, not now that he's an analyst and, you know, podcast host full time. So I got to believe there's more to this story than what we're hearing, or at least some version of a, of a valid reason why Chell got into the, the scuffle that he did. And listen, John, you know, we've talked about John Jones before. I, yeah. I, I say it, say it all the time. John Jones, greatest mixed martial artist of all time. I say that without hesitation. Uh, but he just, when we say he can't get out of his own way, this is another example of that. I mean, yes, he made a plea deal to get out of a domestic violence charge, and he didn't end up getting charged with that. Okay, we all know that. We also know that's how our legal system works. But when you're, you know, when you when you immediately make commentary and say, "I'm not going to attack you yet," he's making a you know a post about it. It's just you know you kind of you kind of roll your eyes and scratch your head and say, "Does this guy have like no one around him to take his phone away from him at two o'clock in the morning and saying, let's not tweet.'" about anybody else with battery or any other charges because you got a laundry list of problems you've had in your career. Yeah, and I don't – and then whatever happened with the grappling match with him and uh, well, formerly the, the artist formerly known as Jack Swagger, that, that – it is grappling. I guess that doesn't fall under the contract of what a UFC con- contract is entails and then and then jack hagar saying like no we never i never signed that was that all crap because he came out and announced that before i guess the ink was dry as well was that ever something that was going to happen so the short the short version of this is the ufc does have to give permission for fighters to go out and do anything in terms of physical contact so he would have had to ask the ufc's permission to go do a grappling match i'm quite sure they would have okayed it because they've okayed a thousand different grappling matches. So I'm sure they did. As far as the the match itself, I do know there was an offer out there, but it was never confirmed. It had never been, you know, official. This is one of those things where, you know, a matchmaker calls John and says, Hey, what do you think about grappling Jake Hager? He says, Wow, I, I'm in. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Calls Jake Hager. What do you think about grappling John Jones? Sure, that sounds great. Give me the contract. Oh, you're not paying me what I want to get paid? Well, of course I'm not going to take this match. It's not worth my time. I've got AEW wrestling and I still have Bellator or whatever else. So this is just one of those things where one guy thought, Oh, it's a done deal uh, without actually bothering to see if the actual contracts have been signed. So was there an offer? Was there talk about it? Sure. 
did it ever get finalized? 100% not. And it's not Jake's fault uh, because he didn't take the match. I have no idea what they were offering him for money. But, you know, probably not worth his time, I would assume, if he, if he didn't want to do it. Yeah, that would have been fun, but uh, I don't know. It's just a long series of bizarre statements and things said by Bones on social media that didn't come to fruition. I don't know. I, I hope we see him fight again, but I, I hope he, he gets some sort of, I don't know, stability in his life before that takes place. Probably one goes in the hand with the other. At Damon Martin on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you can read all of the content, MMAfighting.com. Damon, have a wonderful holiday, brother. Thank you so much for the time today. Hey, you as well. Talk soon. Yeah, man. Always enjoy it. The great Damon Martin, everybody, on The Chad Duke Show. Hey, everyone. If you haven't become a Facebook supporter of The Chad Duke Show or want more information, head to Chad Duke Show on Facebook and click the Supporter Hub tab. It's $5 a month. You'll get access to all the video content from our bonus shows and Friday night boot nannies. Uh, did you see the dinosaur egg story? I'm just looking at it now. Are you excited? Uh... I kind of am. <laughs> I, I don't want to shit on anybody that sent it over to me, but lots of rubes and boobs doing the, we're that much closer to Jurassic Park, you know, that that whole bit um, where I don't think, I could be wrong, but when there's a giant chunk of rock, Gigantor, I don't think there's much DNA uh, that is included inside of that bad boy. But for those of you that haven't seen the story, it is pretty cool. Uh, I guess they had a big bin filled with fossils that they got years ago that they started going through, and uh, one of the eggs, they actually saw like a crack in it and saw some of the bones, and they realized, oh, my God, maybe this is a uh, a fossilized egg, and, and yes, it was, and there was an embryonic dinosaur fossil, which I guess are, are very rare, and one of the things that they're very impressed with, Tor, is that um, the posture, you know, before even Jurassic Park, people speculated that birds uh, were actually, you know, dinosaurs in some way or another evolved into birds, and uh, inside of this egg, the uh, dinosaur that is inside of it is tucking. It's tucking with the head under the right arm, and that's apparently what birds do when they are inside of an egg. So it's 66 million years old, and it is a complete baby dinosaur inside of it, um, which is cool. They're calling it Baby Ying Lang. They're not very creative with the names over in China, I've noticed, but I guess it was outside of um, you know, a preserve or something over there, so that's what they named it after. Uh, now it's kind of being studied and traveled, and they're... It, 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 I guess there's a lot of yelling and screaming and arm waving inside of the fossil community about what you can extrapolate. And some people are saying we need more samples if we're going to say that uh, all dinosaurs tucked when they're inside of the shell. But um, it's nice. I don't know why you turned the Jurassic Park music off. It was so quiet. You just have no confidence at all. You really don't. Like, your instincts were right. Like, play the Jurassic Park music, and then you immediately turned it off. I can get back up here. (laughs) Well, what, like, what happens? Do you just lose confidence in yourself? I thought it was a bad file, um, so because it was it was rather quiet. Well, it would be. I mean, maybe to vet some of these things would be a good idea. Like yeah. dinosaur music is always good to just have on hand. You right. know, we played the Blade music. It took you forty five minutes to find that. There's just some ones. Maybe you want to build yourself up a little catalog over there. Like you just quick click and, and yeah, yeah, you quick click it yeah. with your with, your, with from your bad file. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to draw any uh, DNA out of this. Mr. DNA! I don't think they're going to be able to draw that out of it. But a lot of people, when they saw this story, they said, uh, Dukes, this means we're this much closer to your Velociraptor plan. And, and I was curious, do you, are you aware of my Velociraptor plan? I don't think I am. Would you like to know it? Uh, it's about Velociraptors. I'm in. It is about Velociraptors. So, um, 
about, I would say, 15 years ago, I came up with a plan to cure every problem in our society. And I kept it a secret because I was positive someone would steal it from me. Uh, and I, I thought maybe it would be a book or something, you know, a novel, a comic, something like that. But like everything else in my life, I, I never did anything with it. Okay. Um, so I figured out a way to solve all of the problems in our society, uh, at least in our country. I can't speak for every place else. But here in, 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 in this country, no ticky. Um, and that was we were going to genetically engineer. We're going to legalize all drugs, right? Sure. We're going to take that money and then genetically engineer velociraptors. Packs of velociraptors. Gotcha. Okay? And we were going to drop them off per population um, in all of the major cities in the United States. So, like, if it's Los Angeles, there's going to be just thousands and thousands of velociraptors. Small town in the fucking Midwest, 25, 30. And what happens is, is you put a bounty on the velociraptors. You say, look, you can do whatever you want, but you breed them real ornery, right? You breed them real nasty, and they got to eat fucking meat. So, what are the ramifications of this, Gigantor? Off the top of your head, what, what would immediately happen, do you think? Death. Death? of From who? Uh, children that will be eaten by the velociraptors. Maybe. Uh, I was going to say people that are outside. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, your homelessness situation is gone because either they go inside or they're dead. Uh, well, I'm just practically. Um, the sense of community that we've completely lost. Uh, I guess the music's over. Um, yeah, there's a lot of songs in that movie. Um, the sense of community where we don't know our neighbors and we don't know anything that's going on in our neighborhoods and we don't band together and we kind of just live inside of our little static war bubbles inside of our house. That's gone. That's gone. You have to work together as a unit if there's 350 velociraptors between you and Magruder's. Like, you're going to have to go and work with your neighbors and and police your neighborhoods and be a part of a community again. Um, also, I think that the opioid crisis goes away immediately because you can't be all doped out if every time you step outside your house, you can be worried about getting eviscerated by a velociraptor. Gun control, out the window. It's not even a question anymore. Everybody has to own guns because there's velociraptors in your neighborhood. So there's no more debate whether you believe it's right or wrong or we shouldn't or we shouldn't. You have to have firearms if you're going to be walking around in a world filled with velociraptors. And you have to know how to use a firearm and everyone's going to know that everybody else has a firearm. So there's just no more questions about it whatsoever. It just happens. Um... I just don't think there's a problem that we have right now. Mental illness. You know what I mean? People sitting around, orca fat, in their basement, plugged in the VR, everybody's depressed, everybody's crying, everybody's emoting online. You ain't got time for that, Jack. You're going to get eaten on your way to Ingalls if you fucking don't keep your head on a swivel. So things like physical fitness, things like personal awareness and accountability, some perspective where, hey, maybe I shouldn't be as depressed as I am about somebody saying they don't like my jeans when I could get fucking disemboweled on my way to get the fucking car detailed uh, this weekend. So I think a greater sense of perspective on what actually is a pressing need in our lives would also be pushed towards the forefront if we had a natural predator, if we had something that could legally murk us anytime we step outside um, that's cerebral, that could hunt a pack animal, um, and then I thought maybe, hey, look, let's put some toe tags on these motherfuckers. Well, if you take one down, you turn it into the community center and they, you know, give you some sort of reward or what have you. 
I think there'll be all kinds of tremendous benefits to releasing millions of velociraptors uh, into the American public. What do you think? So you're proposing a common enemy, mm-hmm. which a lot of people have thoughts of. Like, we'll have a standing army, of course, to, to, from threats from without. But threats from within, like, our populace needs something to do. We have too much time on our hands. All we're doing is tweeting and screaming at each other that they're either A, a fascist, or B, a communist. That's all we're doing right now. We're worried about whether or not they play the national anthem before the uh, football games. Let's get worried about teeth sinking into our necks <coughs> and fucking <laughs> reptiles tearing our children to shreds. That, that, to me, would bring us together as a nation the way nothing else ever has. So you're proposing a god's locust plague with velociraptors. Um, I but think I guess I'm, that's more of a punishment. I'm promoting, yeah, 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 we're not punishing anybody. We're allowing you the opportunity to survive and have a more meaningful and rewarding life because you have earned that motherfucking survival. Thinking about toughening up their hides, too. Okay. Um, also, melee kills, you get an additional bonus. I see. Who's tracking the bonus? Well, I think <laughs> they'll have chips in them. I mean, we could put what's that? We could put chips in our dogs, and they can tell you where the dog is. Okay. We'll put a chip inside of the fucking Velociraptor, and if it gets, you know, its head cleaved in by a fucking battle axe, like, ho, ho, ho. That's worth $75, as opposed to if you hit it with a two-two-three round from up on a hill, uh, that's only $15. And then we also, you get a, a notable Velociraptor, one that has like, because we don't know how, how many bodies are on the motherfucker. Uh-huh. Like every time it confirms a kill, I'm going to imagine it's going to have a HUD or an HF display where somebody's sitting back at a fucking command center, Dennis Nedry, uh, Samuel Jackson, and the like, John Hammond. They're all sitting back and watching it. So it's like, hey, man, that one had 14 kills and you just took it down. Not only are you going to get this fucking $75, but here's a set of AirPods. You know, an Apple Music free for a month. So, all right, so now that all drugs are legal. Drugs are legal, completely 100%. You're not worried about some, you know, some junkies gathering up their own Velociraptors and creating their own Velociraptor farm the last that, that thing wouldn't on, be government made? The last thing on earth I'm worried about is junkies being able to gather up or engineer Velociraptors. They're, no, I'm not worried about that at all. I'm worried about the the true farmers that that know how to use guns and would be able to wrangle them and then have control of the velociraptors. No, no, no. There's, there's no you can't train a velociraptor. You're being ridiculous. What you're saying right now is how can I be ridiculous? How can I be ridiculous? Now, there's dinosaurs running around. Everyone else is worried you're about being, their own shit. And then the, the people already have a head start. If they're, they've the been shit you're saying is the, as dumb as if you came in here and said I'd be worried about if the, the the velociraptors wanted to put on a musical and they chose Guys and Dolls over West Side Story. That's the dumbest level of your shit that you're saying right if now. If I'm someone that can walk in the mountains and be prepared to take on you're a mountain n- lion. Not someone like that, so don't worry about it. Well, I'm saying that person would already have. That person is not good. Then what? They, that person wants world domination. I'm guessing if it's a mountain man, he wants to be left alone. Well, I'm saying, uh, and he's uh, already uh, used to dealing with predators, bears, and such. An experienced farmer, somebody uh, hunter that is experienced with that. Uh, I, I think they got a leg up. Are they going to become they, our leaders? They definitely have a leg up. No, no, no. We still have elections. This is not. This is How not is a, this a world we still have elections? It's not a dictatorship because we still everything operates the same way. I can't see that happening. We don't. We let. We let the velociraptors, the, res, the the repercussions of them being introduced into the ecosystem just naturally. We're not going to. We don't have to outlaw or in law any type of shit. It's going to happen naturally. Homelessness gone. Addiction gone. Narcissism driven almost into extinction. We've got, we're going to gun control. We never have to debate about it ever again. Drugs. We never have to debate about them ever again. No one's going to see a shrink anymore. The shrinks are gone because you're worried about getting eaten by a velociraptor. I'm telling you, the uh, most of the issues we have in this country are issues of convenience. I would say health. You're going to have to be in shape. 
You're going to have to be able to run a couple of miles. I agree. I just don't think that the American pop We will get thinned out. Uh, Worse than what we've been doing well, the last couple, two years. There's a couple of people in this room that need to get thinned out a little I'll bit. I'll take it. We're going to get thinned out in more ways than one. You're absolutely right. We can't handle this. Do you think underpopulation is a problem in our society right now? Is that your argument? Underpopulation? I think that we Thin go down herd. to maybe 25%. That's what I say. Thin the herd. We go to 25% population, I think, with the Velociraptors. Man, think about how great it's going to be for that 25% going to be absolutely fantastic i think you're wrong i think after the first two or three thousand people get clipped we're going to figure out real easy how to deal with this situation two or three thousand is going to get clipped within the first, the hey first man, 10 minutes of the drop busting up some of these big cities ain't such a bad idea either what what good is going on in the big city right now you tell me what good is going on in there not a lot of fucking if we bring velociraptors into this country that's bringing in russia well, and not, china to come in and invade them. also we're not, they're saying we're not bringing them in we're manufacturing them there are velociraptors so we could just turn them on china if we want to if they start coming in saying you're hey, being ridiculous saying, right they're saying now. the u.s is weak they're dealing with their own velociraptor theory now we can go in there and, and fuck shit up i i'm telling you we have a standing army like the army's not the, the military's not involved in this this is purely for civilians i think there's going to be calls for the military it doesn't matter if there's calls for the military. There could be calls for the military if you don't get the fucking you know Turbo Man doll that you want at KB Toys. It doesn't matter. They're not showing up. It's a you different. See, here's I'm a, saying, I'm here's the problem. Grandma I thought this Mom through. You, your dumb 22-year-old mind cannot, cannot get your grasp on the genius of this plan, and you haven't done any thinking about it. The bones of it are strong. I like I like the the what we would accomplish if this went successfully. We couldn't sit inside for, for three months. And this is not me. I'm not going on a COVID jag. So before you think I'm on a side well, we or another. We sat inside for a year or so. And we wouldn't sit inside. You just have to be able to deal with those things being around. You'd have to come up with a plan and execute that plan. And that plan would require teamwork. It would require camaraderie. It would require physical fitness. It would require proficiency with firearms. It would require knowing that everybody else is armed as well. So you have to defend yourself. It would require community. I agree. It would build a lot. Your the, depression would go away. The, your anxiety might, might go through the roof for a second or two, but you'll you'll weed that out immediately. The common enemy theory, it's good. It brings people together. It, it's it's strong. And it, think about all the cool necklaces you'll be able to make out of the teeth. Oh, like, walking around like that Matthew McConaughey dragon tooth necklace in Reign of Fire. The greatest movie ever created. I think you're going to jump on board. I, I think you're being a bit of a contrarian here. You haven't thought it out. I think I'm going to get a hot call from you on Sunday saying, Dukes, I'm, I'm in. It out right How now. do we get this done? How do we move forward with this in a pragmatic society? It's not pragmatic. It's the most pragmatic. It's the only thing that's going to save us. It's the only thing that's going to save us. I hope you'll be with What me. are the elderly going to do? They just they we just, have to protect the it's like any oh, other society that's ever come before us. We have to protect the elderly. You get one. All right, you put a velociraptor in a in a in a frat house. It's probably not going to make it out. You put a velociraptor in an elderly I, home. I, it's going. To, it's 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 getting a nuclear. I, it's getting I think a, a Moab. I think it's hilarious that you believe that if if they dropped one velociraptor into the house you live in, it's not killing all of you. You're I, all dead. Oh no, I got my. I'm, I don't I'm care how many tiny shit. axes you have that Lubomir gave you in oh, your fucking bedroom. It can't handle my axe. I, I, it can't. It can't. It can't handle as much axe body spray as you probably have up there. Uh, you could drive it off. Get with it that. around the eyes. Oh god, a little lighter. Gross. He's my flamethrower, sucker. Oh my how god. you feeling, dumb dick? He, he would spill your fucking guts over the top of your dumb dick he's in gonna, about two he's seconds. Have to make it to the fourth floor. I think they can climb. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they can, <laughs> judging by the film I've seen in the latest cinema. <laughs> all right, enough. Turn that off. All right, you fucking ruin everything. Big Shoot is gaming and he wants you to be a part of it. Head over to Chad Duke Show Gaming on Facebook, turn on your notifications, and you'll know when Shooter is going live. Tune in to see big finishing moves, tall vampire ladies, and samurais in Tsushima. 
Follow Chad Duke Show Gaming to get all the info you need on any of the giveaways that take place as well. Thank you all for tuning in to the Chad Duke Show Friday show. We'll have more fresh content for you at the beginning of next week on Monday. So if you are enjoying this or you enjoyed what you heard on this uh, today's show on this segment and you haven't subscribed, why don't you just check it out? You get the full back catalog of episodes. That's what this show is for, is to put our best foot forward. I think you will have uh, 50 episodes worth as of this show. You subscribe. I think you multi you, you have over 300. I think we might be over like 325. Uh, it is a ton of content. So if you're traveling for the holidays and you're like, oh, I've already listened to all the, the 50 shows. I'm just a free listener. I've been listening since the, the start or whatever free episodes that get dropped. And you're, you, you don't really want to wait for that next week. Just you sign up for a month. And if you think you like it, I mean, you get everything. You get literally everything that we've done. You subscribe today. And that's uh, $12.99. And you can cancel whenever you want. No one's holding you here, but we can't tell you you won't be tempted to, to keep on paying because it is some good stuff that we are pumping out. Uh, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, which is absolutely insane. Uh, but basically, you subscribe, uh, then you are in the club. And then if you don't feel like subscribing, uh, but you enjoyed this episode, feel free to tell somebody. Tell somebody they might like the show. It's something that is not being done at other places. It is, it is not COVID. It's not politics. It's not anything, it's not the news. We're not doing anything like that. So if, you, if you're looking for something that's actually done by a broadcaster and an aspiring broadcaster, then why don't you put that out on someone's uh, someone's phone? It's not really hard to share, and it, it, it helps us out a good amount. Word of mouth is uh, very, very strong within this medium. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in again to the show. Happy holidays. Next time that you hear our voices, me and Chad's voices, you'll be incredibly depressed because the holiday season is over with. Thanks, everybody. We will catch you next week.